Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter. Today, our guest is Billy Ray, who is a writer and director in Hollywood. Uh, Billy wrote the Oscar-nominated screenplay for Captain Phillips, for which he won the WGA Award. He also wrote, directed, and executive produced Showtime's The Comey Rule, which had the biggest debut of any limited series in the network's history. Ray's films as writer, co-writer, or writer-director include The Hunger Games, Richard, Ju- one, Richard Jewell, <laughs> Shattered Glass, and Breach. And I, film. Well, I gotta say, Breach is the only one I don't recognize. All the rest of them, of course. Uh, he's maybe. Maybe we'll ask you about that. He's a member of the. Glass is a favorite. I have to yep. say quickly. Excellent. And, and Cliff, of course, your audio is breaking up. Just so you know, be aware. Uh, he's a member of the AMP, uh, AMPAS Board of Governors and serves on the board of Big Sunday. He believes in democracy, justice, and the Dodgers. Um, and we've got him here for the first two, at least. <laughs> uh, Billy, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Now, I've got to say, you know, Billy, uh, although at the end we told him we've got to ask him a little bit about the Hunger Games because we would be remiss if we sure. didn't. But Billy is here because, as you can see sort of from his repertoire, he's been very involved, especially like with the Comey rule, but even Richard Jewell and some of the things before, been very right. involved in using his medium as a way of, uh, I think, sort of promoting democracy, holding democracy accountable. And next year, and I believe this is public so you can tell people, yes. you've got something coming out next year that people will be very interested in. Let's hope. Uh, I'm doing a six episode uh, miniseries for Showtime about the Capitol attack on January 6th. And the idea is to air it uh, either late September or early October uh, next year before the midterms. Absolutely amazing. Now, what, I mean, how does that, uh, I was going to say, like, how does that actually work? You'd now again. I'm not sure because we had talked privately, and I don't recall what you could say publicly yet. Can you tell people sort of what the concept was of how you were going to go? Yeah. I thought it was interesting the way you were describing. Sure. Just how you um, go about the story is what you were thinking great. about the story exactly. Sure. It started actually on January seventh. Um, I, I wrote to uh, the the executive who had greenlit uh, the Comey rule. And I said, I want to do the story of Ashley Babbitt, who was the woman who had been shot. Right, right. And she wrote back to me saying, okay, we're looking, we, we'd like to do something eight hours long. I said, okay, I can't do eight hours on Ashley Babbitt. That, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't sound good. Yeah. Um, so maybe what I'll do is I'll do what they did in uh, uh, the famous novel, uh, The Bridge of San Luis Rey, which they made me read in high school. Uh, Thornton Wilder wrote it, won a, a Pulitzer Prize. But essentially what it's about is it's a novel, but it's about a, a, it's a fictional story about hmm. this bridge in Peru in 1714 that collapses with five people on it. And then goes back and tells you the story of who those five people were. They were strangers to one another and why they were on that bridge on that day. It's kind of a perfectly constructed novel. Yep. But, and I thought, let's do January 6th the same way. Let's take seven or eight characters tell their story of who they were before January 6th, what got them to DC, what they did on that day uh, on both sides of the fight, right. and, and then their aftermath. And, and that was sort of the construction. I mean, it's not like I invented it. Uh, you know, Thornton Wilder did it, and then every disaster movie has done it as well. I mean, that's Towering Inferno. That's the Poseidon adventure. Right. You meet a bunch of characters, you find out who they are before the stress starts, right. then you put them under the ultimate stress, and you find out who they actually are. And that's what we're doing for uh, for January 6th. So we'll we'll do a couple cops, we'll do a couple rioters, um, we'll do some people that were sort of in between, 
And you know, the essential idea of it is that it is the duty of all patriots to defend their country. Um, everybody on that day believed that's what they were doing. None of those rioters woke up the morning of January right. 6th and said, I'm going to do something evil today. Right. They believed that they were rescuing their democracy. They were delusional and they were misinformed, um, but I don't think they were ill-intended. Right. That changed when they got uh, in a place where they had to injure cops in order to achieve their aims. Then I think it got to a different place. But, but even then, even then, and again, this is sort of a weird thing to explain without getting yourself in trouble or myself. Even then they thought they were doing the right thing to save their country, which is what yeah. is so which is what is so scary for me. And Cliff and I have talked a lot on the show about Trump's rhetoric and the Republican rhetoric and Trump this week yet again went off about how this is the biggest election steal in history. If you and actually, now we're, you know, I, I don't want to yeah. cut you off, John, but okay, I mean, it's yeah. important context. We're now hearing it from a candidate in Peru who's using oh, Trump's we? language to say, you know, this is, uh, it, there's, it looks like there's some yeah. fraud and we're hearing yeah. it from BB Netanyahu. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, this stuff has not just national implications with him radicalizing his base, but it has international implica yeah. implications for undermining democracies everywhere. Sorry, yeah. go ahead, John. The truth is that if okay. you were, if you were Vladimir Putin and you are in charge of a, a failing country, a, a kleptocracy right. that is that is feeling a failing its own people. Um, and your economy is, you know, less powerful than several American states, much less America itself. What would you do? You would take someone like Donald Trump and you would inject him like a virus into the body politic of the right. United States. And the best possible result would be that you would get 30, 33% of America to doubt the, the very idea of democracy. Right. And on that level, it's been a spectacular success for, for Russia. Right, right. I think we've also learned how easy it is, as you just said, to undermine democracy. Right. That, especially when the doubts are already there and you've had a will, a coup kind of with a will to power, I blame Mitch McConnell and, and some of these other guys who've undermined democracy for 20 years, injecting that into the bloodstream of our democracy is even that much more potent at that point. Because you've already got these militias, you already have, I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> Excuse me, everybody. Um, it's live TV. <laughs> wow, this stuff happens, happened to me. Okay. We'll talk about oh, you know, TV experience. That's actually time. less upsetting to me than that your audio went bad while you were complimenting a movie of mine. That was absolutely <laughs> worse. Let's go back to State of Play no, no, was awesome. No, 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 no. Everybody. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Richard right. Jewell's State of Play, see that? No, that's, like, that's a smart writer and director there. You, you gotta get your stuff promoted. Um, no, I mean, I, I, the the fact of the matter is, is that um, our democracy already had these damaging figures and the Republican Party, it's, it was almost like these, these clownish figures. You've all made themselves obvious who they are, even if they tried to hide it in the past. Your Newt Gingrich's and Mitch McConnell's who've done already done so much damage. Trump coming along, it was almost like that's the straw that breaks the camel's back, that we already were ready for a hostile takeover. And Putin picked it right. perfectly with him. Well, that's is... the idea that, that Trump was never the problem. Trump was always the symptom. And, and that was something that the Democrats were slow to understand. Hmm. Um, you know, what became clear during the, the years of Trump, if you were looking at the polling, was that um, even ardent Republicans didn't admire or like Donald Trump. Right. Um, they all thought he was kind of childish. Um, yeah. And they all wanted him to stop tweeting. I mean, except for, you know, super fringy elements. Right. Um, so Back why did they stay with him? Yeah. The yeah. reason that they stayed with him 
was because he validated their hatred of liberals, Democrats, the coasts, the media, the elite. Um, that is something that was that was fomented for decades before Trump came along. You know, if you look at the numbers of uh, how many uh, January 6th rioters have now been charged, I think we're up to 500, 550, we're somewhere in there. Right. right. But what's significant about them is that over half of them came from Biden counties. Um, they, they didn't all come from deep red counties. What they came from, where they came from, if you, if you look at Collin County, it, just north of Dallas, by the way, uh, Wiley, Texas, those kinds of places. Collin County had a disproportionate uh, number of rioters on that day. And what's significant about Collin County is that in the last five years, uh, whites as a percentage of the population dropped by 4.3%. That's a pretty right. staggering demographic shift in only yeah. five years. And it's true of all the counties that hmm. sent uh, large numbers of rioters to DC on that day. And what that means is that the, the white people um, in those counties, they see themselves losing status, losing power as a group, and it's terrifying to them. And so their feeling was, yeah, he may be childish, he, he may be mentally ill, but I know he cares about that issue. And so I'm gonna go defend that guy. I'm gonna go make sure that guy stays in power. And that's something that we as a country need to look at. Um, that is not in any way about Donald Trump. And in a weird way, it's not even about Donald Trump's rhetoric. It's about how we as a country are dealing with massive demographic change right. um, and how we are making it work or not work for some of the people that it's scaring so badly. How, Billy, let me ask you, how did you get into all of this? Because, and I'm, you know, granted, it's going to sound like I'm sucking up to you because you're on the show, but I can take it. Well, no, but I know. Let me say Come on, something. John, I, suck up more. No, but Cliff, Cliff you're going to agree with me on this. You remind me of when we interviewed Rosie O'Donnell, and it was somebody in the entertainment industry who knew their politics so well. She blew us away. That woman is scary how much she knows about politics. I mean, it really was. It was this incredibly mature and detailed. She was bringing things up from 20 years ago, and Cliff and I were like, oh, my God. But you, you clearly understand this stuff, and I find it very interesting because also it means your work can be that much more influential. But how did you get involved to sort of the political end of, of this kind of work? There is so much going on in the world that can make it difficult to relax and decompress. You've experienced the Sunday scaries, that feeling of dread in the pit of your stomach that comes on Sunday afternoons. Now, here's a totally different Sunday scaries, vitamin-boosted CBD gummies. And you don't even have to wait until Sunday night rolls around. Self-care is so important, and Sunday scaries is here to help. Sunday scaries believes that everyone deserves a hand on a difficult day. So if you're looking for a way to decompress, Sunday scaries has you covered with their CBD products. Visit sundayscaries.com and use promo code SEXYLIBERAL, all one word, at checkout to get 25% off your order. That's 25% off at SundayScaries, S-C-A-R-I-E-S dot -E com, with promo code SEXYLIBERAL, one word. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. These products are not for use or sale to persons under the age of 18. Well, if you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, I wish my under-eye bags would just go away. You're not alone. 
Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now, introducing my new favorite, the new GenuCell Serum with plant stem cell technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote me, I've been using GenuCell for a couple months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around the cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L. For an instant 10% off your order, order now. You'll get the amazing Genucel XB face cream. When you order the exclusive Genucel most popular package at checkout, that's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. So I was always a, a check writing Democrat, um, but I was right. never more than that. And then November 8th, 2016 happened. Right. And I woke up the day after Trump's election more afraid for my country than I had been the day after 9 11. Right. And I know that's a, a mouthful, but what I mean by that is as horrific as 9 11 was, on September 12th, I knew my country was going to come together. And on November 9th, 2016, I knew my country was going to come apart. There was no question right. in my mind that January 6th was already inevitable. Right. Um, I knew that day was coming the second Trump was elected. And I can draw a very straight line from one event to the other. Well, you know, it's, I, I hate to go to your field and what you do, mm-hmm. but I find so often in some of the great sort of, you know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be sort of some literary work or whatever, but that you guys, you know, have played out on screen. You've come up with the sort of creative ideas, you know, that often end up coming true. You know, the, the whole thing about life imitating art, it's a little scary. But, you know, it, and this isn't that exactly that, but I always think of, I'm a, you know, I'm a Marvel fan. Like, mm-hmm. I, got, I got boys and, you know, they love that stuff and I love that stuff. And I always think of if you saw the sort of the Captain America Civil War movie, where the bad guy in that, you know, his whole thing is getting them to fight amongst themselves. Because his whole thing is you can't stop an empire from the outside. You can only cause division and bring it down from the inside. Um, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. So starting November 9th, 2016, uh, at which point I was literally flattened. I mean, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I needed to be medicated. It was pretty bad. I, I was as anxious as I had been in my life. Um, and I decided I could never again wake up the morning after an election thinking I could have done more. So I picked a lane where I thought I could be helpful. Uh, in my case, that was house races in 2018. And I just went to work. Um, and what that meant was that, you know, when Democrats would come to town, uh, I live in Los Angeles, when they would come here looking for fundraising, I would sit down with them and I would say, okay, I'm, I'm happy to fundraise for you, but I need to talk to you about messaging because I need to make sure that you win. We have to get the house back. So I want to talk to you about how to sound less like a Democrat, how to make arguments that independent voters can actually- Sound like an actual human. Yes. Um, I started working with a fellow writer named Greg Hurwitz, a novelist who had annoyingly published 20 novels before the age of 45. Um, The most brilliant mind on political messaging that I have ever met. And he and I started working together with these candidates. And our, our message, you know, our, our motto was, um, we don't need money, we don't want credit, and we don't ask permission. We just started getting the candidates, and this is going to sound presumptuous, but training them how to talk about 
healthcare, how to talk about immigration, how to talk about guns, abortion, the environment, et cetera, in ways that, um, that promote classic democratic values, but don't sound like classic democratic yeah. buzzwords. Um, because I found the candidates just kept stepping on the same landmines and it was infuriating. So we wound up working with 30 candidates that year, all of them running in red districts and 21 of them won, which was pretty thrilling. And I, I can't take credit for those wins. They were great candidates, but I know that in some of the close races, uh, we helped. And that put us on the radar of the party. Um, and it gave me access to what is now a list of about 50 or 60 sitting members of Congress, uh, both the House and the Senate, that I just talk to every once in a while. I send messaging, uh, uh, you know, briefings out every once in a while. Again, it's it's my sidelight. I, I don't get paid, right. um, yep. but it, I have access and I use it. And what that's required me to do is learn what the hell I'm talking about. So I, I have to have polling and I have to right. see how things actually land. And, and I have to learn as I go about um, what moves people and what doesn't move. And I have to keep my eye on the Republican party. Let me ask you something. It's, it's, as you're talking, I started thinking of, you know, the Republicans, and frankly, it's a useful argument for them, always arguing, you know, stick to your lane, Hollywood, we don't care what you think. But of course, they, they, oh, that's okay. Are you getting, sorry, <laughs> are you okay? Um, yeah. You know, but of in course, a, it's, it's unless you're Ronald Reagan, Fred Thompson, yeah. gopher from Love right. Boat, you know, then but you can, whatever lane you want, then. But but it works for them. I mean, they're they're doing it out of self interest because because they know that a lot of no, and I but but they know that basically a lot of folks in Hollywood support Democrats. I'm just interested. You know, do you feel there's some kind of a is there sort of a moral imperative for people to get more involved in and or or frankly, I don't know. I'm just curious sort of where you are on that whole thing because you're obviously sure. very involved. But is it just you personally, or do you think the industry really should be more involved in politics? That there is sort of a nexus between art and politics. Okay. Um, it, it, there's a lot to, to yeah. unpack there. First of all, um, yes, there is a stereotype and a stigma attached to anybody who makes their living in Hollywood having anything to say about politics. Right. And I understand that um, because why should my opinion count for more than anybody else's opinion? I, I, I think that's fair. Um, so it's up to us to know what the hell we're talking about um, and to state it in a way that doesn't condescend. Um, you know, the, the problem with, uh, with the far left is that we tend to make arguments that, that basically say, hey, we have more empathy than you and you should be more like us. And if I were someone hearing that argument, I would say, go fuck yourself. Right. Um, I, I think they're right in feeling that way. And yeah. as 2020 proved, your average Republican would literally rather get COVID than have a celebrity tell them how to raise their kids. And, and the fact is, I understand that. So it's not my job to tell them how to raise their kids. I, I, I can only pick uh, two tracks on, on which to do what I think is the right thing to do. I can, uh, I can make movies that make a point. Um, I can try, and again, forgive me for the presumption, I can try to the best of my ability to reflect America back to itself. Here's the yep. Comey rule. Here's what I know to be true. Right. America, you decide. Or I can go make a January 6th miniseries and say, okay, here are a bunch of Americans. Right. Here are the circumstances they were in. Here's how they behaved. You guys decide. So I can do that. Yep. 
I can, I can use my work in a way to reach people. Yep. And I can also try to help the party that is actually in favor of democracy, which is the Democratic right. Party. It's also, not my intention to destroy the I'm Republican sorry. Party. It's my intention to destroy this perversion of the Republican Party so that the Republican Party can rebuild itself and become the equal of the Democratic Party, which I think is good for America. Remember, in when, when W was president, the delta between the Democrats and the Republicans was one side thought the tax rate should be 39%, and the other side thought the tax rate should be 34%. And they were both saying, oh my God, it's the end of the world if we lose this argument, okay? That's how big the divide was. The divide right now is something else. The divide right now is that the Democratic Party is saying, hey, we believe in democracy. And the Republican Party is saying, no, we believe in fascism. And that's a pretty big divide. So yeah, I do think every artist, uh, God, I hate using that term. Everybody who makes their living in the entertainment industry has a moral imperative to make a comment about that and to do what they can. They just have to do it in an unobnoxious way. Well, I would say, you know, from my perspective, obviously, I do this sometimes with various actors, writers. If you look at, you know, what you've written about, what movies, you you know, you've shown a theme of actually being interested in the political world. I mean, you look at Shattered Glass, mm-hmm. uh, great movie, by the way. I Thank love you. that movie. Um, and I mean, that clearly was, I mean, you, you probably need to talk to some insidery folks when it comes to understanding the workings of the New Republic magazine and everything that went on, yes. you know, in DC. And then, you know, so I told you before, State of Play, actually, in terms of like thriller type movies about Washington. I really enjoyed that. So, I mean, clearly I'll just start with you. You probably already always had an interest in this on, on some level, I assume, right? Always, always my whole yeah. life. And, and, you know, when I was right. growing up, my formative years, when I say formative, I mean like 10, 11, um, <laughs> you know, that was Watergate. And I was the kid who was running home from school after fourth grade to watch the Watergate hearings. Yeah. Um, you know, I was a geek in that way, still am. And, and, um, my feeling is I love my country very, very deeply. And I, I, I love uh, its promise. But I also feel that we as Americans have a responsibility to the world. If democracy fails here, the world is screwed. Um, we're, we're the shining star that everybody points to to say, yeah, this system can work. And right now, there are a lot of people out there saying, no, this system cannot work. Um, and I think that's a danger to the world. I, I don't think it's coincidence that you're seeing uh, the kinds of things that are happening in America happening everywhere else. Because if it can happen here, it can happen anywhere. Now, the January 6th miniseries you're working on, is that going yeah. to be a documentary or no. a bit of a docudrama or whatever you call it? No, it'll, it'll be dramatized just like the Comey okay. rule was. Like oh, had, oh, good. Okay, good. I had Jeff good. Daniels playing James Comey and Brendan yeah. Gleeson playing Donald Trump. It'll be the same thing. Right. It'll be actors uh, playing people, some of whom you'll Excellent. recognize and some of whom you won't. Um, the other thing, I mean, I, I, going back to what I was saying before, um, John, you know, I have a couple of rants I go on about media and various things on this show a lot. And one of the things that would always drive me crazy, and again, you know, is I would say, and I will say, we've got the creative folks on our side, right? Like, yes. with the two of the biggest communities that are Democrats are Hollywood. And, you know, what do you do? You, 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 need to reach people emotionally for a living. You can't just write a story about this happened, that happened, and you know, you, know, you create three-dimensional characters. Um, and the other group, I, of course, I always point to were, were trial lawyers who <laughs> have to be, who frankly are actors too, who have to get up and win over a jury of theoretically impartial people and convince them and, and they have to create 
sympathy for defendants. And so it just drive me nuts to be like, how is it that we have these folks that are a, a key cornerstone of our party? And then we put out these ads that are like a, a laundry list of boring things, you know, and there's no emotion in them. So, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, this isn't really a question as much as a comment, but it seems natural to me that you'd be folks like you would be more involved. So when John and I first talked to you, I was, was actually excited about that because again, this is what you do for a living. It's a little different if you do it in politics, but you, tr you know how to reach people clearly with what you do. Well, look, the idea is storytelling. Um, Obama had a great story. Um, Hillary did not. Uh, Donald Trump, believe it or not, had a great story. Um, that that reaches people. That that's a that's a difference. Um, and what we try to do when we talk to candidates is to help them tell their story and help them tell the story more broadly of where America sits at a given moment and where America can go and the fear of where America should not go. Um, yep. Here's why I, I think it's such a struggle uh, for Democrats. First of all, Democrats do not control the media that actually matter. They don't control Fox News. They don't control OAN or Newsmax. They don't control Sinclair Radio. Um, and Democrats feel beholden to be factual and to tell the truth, and Republicans clearly do not. So, so it's, it's not a level playing field. And part of what makes it uh, so unlevel is that the Republicans keep complaining that they don't have control of the media um, and they make uh, America suspicious of what they've called fake news, right. when in fact, Republicans have an ironclad control over the media. The second right. thing that makes it really complicated is that Republicans are capable of enormous message discipline. I mean, Republican yeah. lawmakers. Yeah. So that if you go back and look at the 90s, Frank Luntz would have an idea. He would say to Newt Gingrich, this is what we're saying. Newt Gingrich would say to the Republican members of the House, this is what we're saying. <clears throat> and they would go out and say it. They were just message discipline warriors. Democrats aren't that way. I mean, uh, you know, I can I can promise you I communicate with 50 or 60 of them and I say, here's a way to talk about this issue. And and for the most part, they get it and they'll do it. But that's not the entire caucus. I mean, that's right. 50 or 60 people right. Right. out of, you know, 300. Um, and it's very tough to herd cats. The right. other problem is that while uh, the fringe on the right, which has now become the mainstream on the right, is completely fucking insane and murderous. Um, the fringe on the left does a an undangerous but equally dumb uh, version of its uh, of that, which is when we start getting into uh, uh, social justice warriors and and purity tests, and when when the left starts saying shit like no Abraham Lincoln shouldn't have a school named after him because he wasn't woke <laughs> enough, it's just idiotic. And, and it makes us so easy to pillory by the right. And, and my feeling is, if we are going to uh, govern as if we're afraid of AOC's Twitter following, then we don't deserve to govern. Um, yeah, we need to hear her opinion. We need to hear from the squad. We're a big enough tent. We can include to hear those voices. But no, that shouldn't guide policy. And it shouldn't guide where we are culturally. The beauty of the Joe Biden presidency is that right now, it's not. Uh, right now, Joe Biden is is governing, I think, magnificently and messaging in a great way. Yep. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> he has the benefit uh, of not having to fight the headwinds that Barack Obama fought strictly by being an African-American male. 
Yeah. Um, so there's a portion of America that's willing to hear him that wasn't willing to hear Obama, despite I think Obama being one of the greatest minds and souls in American history. Um, but Biden is is doing a job that's making it easier uh, for people like me because I can say, look, you gave us the power to govern. Look what we're doing. We're putting shots in arms. We're putting checks in pockets, and we're going to build bridges and roads. Like that's that's pretty effective governing. That's pretty effective um, messaging, by the way, too. The way you just yes. said that. <laughs> Three things, <laughs> straightforward. No, I know, but that, that's it's important because I think not enough folks on our side seem to get that to the point. Well, you have to be willing as a Democrat to call out bullshit uh, from the far left. Um, I think that's vital. Now, in no way is that the equivalent of what's happening on the right, because right. what's happening on the right is actually fascism. Right. And right. if you're going to compare um, their fringe, which is let's attack the Capitol and then pretend it didn't happen. Right. And let's talk about a, uh, an election being stolen, which was not stolen. And let's not recognize uh, uh, Joe Biden and let's get a bunch of cops killed. That's their fringe. Right. And my fringe is we think everybody should have free college. Right. Like, right. Those are not the equivalents of. No, they're that. not. Right. So we can't treat them that way. But it is still uh, incumbent upon Democrats to call out their own excesses. And and, you know, I think that's important. Well, we've tried to talk about that on here. I mean, when we, when we think there, I mean, defund the police is one of the dumber slogans, if not the dumbest of all time. But no it's one like, takes it seriously. People are defund like, the police was thought up in Russia and then, uh, and then ma they made it sound like it was coming through democratic mouths. I know a lot of Democrats. I don't know any Democrats who believe in defund the police. Every one of them disavowed it. But because, me because Republicans are such message disciplined warriors in 2020, Every fucking Democrat had to run right. against socialism. Right. Well, they'd catch some of our far left ways. activists. Uh, you're, I mean, you're well, right. I don't know if any electeds yeah. said yeah. it, but like some of our far left activists would say it and defend it. And and and. Okay, but I what think, do they have to do with anything? No, because the, you, you no, just no, pointed out the, message because the right is yeah so good at that. So they'll yeah. grab that, put it in everybody's mouths, and we yeah. need to forcefully hit back against that and say, as you just said, that's bullshit. We're not saying that. Right. But a lot of Democrats. Well, I would actually argue that. I would yeah. argue that's not how you counter that. You counter that by saying, oh, and they're all cute. That's it. I think what 2022 should be about is how every single Republican member of Congress should be forced to disavow QAnon. None of them will do it. Right. Right. And then you're talking, you're then you're fighting on the correct side of the field. Then the the argument mm -hmm. and the election are about defining what it means to be a Republican in 2022. Right. Instead of defining what it means to be a Democrat, I, I'm encouraging everybody I know to go on the attack because I think they're going to find out that a lot of Republican members of Congress are members of QAnon. They are members of militia. And because they won't disavow those things, they are uh, absolutely uh, supporting them. Yeah. Trump, treason and terrorism. That would be a good start. Yeah. Um, and, and also um, uh, just ineptitude. Hmm. Um, you know, they had. Remember. In 2016, the Republican Party had the presidency, the House, and the Senate. Okay, they had those three things. And Donald Trump had run on four promises. I will bring back manufacturing. Your healthcare will get better and cheaper. Mexico will pay for the wall. Remember that one? And I will drain the swamp. So he had the presidency, the House, and the Senate. He went 0 for 4 on those promises, which means either he wasn't a great executive or those weren't good ideas. But either way, that was on the Republicans. That's what they, that's what they had the power to do. And what they decided to do instead 
was dismantle uh, our government and dismantle democracy. Okay, you know, it, yeah. that's a pretty clear choice. It's funny you mentioned Q because I was just reading, I pulled it up to look while you were talking. Vice wrote an article in the last couple of days about how there are already 19 members, not members, 19 candidates, QAnon candidates running for House and Senate in 2022. That's now, right. again, a lot of them are going to be in primaries. The only thing is, hell, in primaries, they're probably going to do really well. <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to do great. I mean, remember, uh, Republican self-identification is down by 25% since November 3rd. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there are only 34% of Americans who self-identify as Republicans right now. People are leaving the party in droves for obvious reasons. Democratic self-identification is uh, at its highest level since 2012. These are not insignificant numbers. Right. America, uh, American independents by 17% believe that there are more extremists on the right than on the left. That's a first in right. my life. Okay, that, that is unfortunately the gift of January 6th. Right. So that if you are a Democratic candidate, right, if you're Abby Broyles, who's going to run for uh, Oklahoma 5, right, which is essentially Oklahoma City, she can now make the argument my friends, you have a binary choice, me or the radical right. There is no Republican Party anymore. There's no Mitch McConnell. Right. There's no Kevin right. McCarthy. There is me and the radical right, because those are the choices. That, you think uh, if you're in Oklahoma City, that would be a message that, that you could remind people of what the yeah. radical right is pretty easily. And she will, right? And and she'll win as, as a result of that. Um, yes, 40% of the Republican Party right now, 40%, believes that Bill Gates is putting microchips in the COVID vaccine. Yeah, okay, that's the yeah. second biggest political party in America. And 40% of them believe that. 70% of them believe that Joe Biden is not the legitimate president of the United States, okay? Um, there's always been a portion of this country that's been crazy, always, going back to 1776. I, sure. I think 30% of those people were fucking nuts. Um, but they didn't have the uh, internet to find one another. Now they do. Yep. They're coordinated in a way that they weren't before. Who do you, the, the work of our lifetime, the work of the rest of our lifetime, both in movies and out of movies, is going to be protecting this democracy from that fascistic impulse. Can I, I'll just quickly ask, can I, those chips you were talking about, can I use that to track where my older son is on any given day? Because it'd be cool to know he's not, okay, sorry, go ahead, John. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who do you see when you're when you're talking to members of Congress and other Democrats about messaging? Who do you see as your target audience? That what I mean is the um, who are you trying to win over? Is it and, and which is more important? Do you think is it Democratic voters who may not be voting but should be voting? Is it truly independents, people who are in the middle and, and switch back and forth, or is it moderate Republicans who there are a lot now? I think there, there's at least a decent number of moderates, maybe five or ten percent, who just can't stand Donald Trump and they really are worried about their party. But what do you see in terms of your messaging that you you feel it's more important to go after? Who? Well, it's all of those things. But the 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 white hot target is in about 70 swing districts uh, that exist in America, races that could go either way, house races that could go either way. Those races are going to be decided by independent voters. And okay. um, maybe a quarter of those independent voters have not yet made up their mind. So you're talking about 26% of roughly 33% right. in maybe 70 to 75 swing districts. That's the group you have to get. If they stay with us, uh, we will expand our, our uh, 
hold on the House and the Senate. And I fully expect that that will happen. Hmm. If they walk, uh, the uh, United States of America, as we know it, is fucked. And I actually believe, and I, this is going to sound like hyperbole, I don't think it is. I think if the, uh, if the Republican Party wins the next presidential election, 2024, I think it will be the last presidential election in American history. That's where I think we are. Yikes. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I wish I, we were just having these conversations. I was just discussing with folks on Twitter and wherever, you know, and I mean, I try to be optimistic, cautiously optimistic, hope that, you know, we'll do this and that, even with Joe Manchin taking his current position, mm -hmm. which is ludicrous and the rest. But I mean, you know, it, it's hard not to reach that level of concern. I mean, when Republicans yeah. show you they're doing shit, they end up doing it, right? They're not just saying, we'll overrule the Secretary of State or we'll take the power away from the Secretary of State to determine who wins an election no, they're doing if we it. want to. Like, right. you don't just do that and then not use it. You know what I mean? And that's- Of course. You know, All right, so that's why um, I, I've been thinking a lot about the first five minutes of, uh, of the movie Patton lately. I've been thinking about it a lot. You know, he stands in front of that giant American flag and he's addressing the truth. Yeah. Right. And there's a moment in his speech where he says, I don't want to hear that we're holding our position. We're not holding anything. We are going to attack all the time. We are going to come after the uh, the enemy relentlessly. And the only thing we're holding on to is his nose. We are going to dra drag him through this fight and we're going to kick him in the ass every single day. That's how I feel the Democrats need to behave at this point. Right. I am so sick of hearing Democrats talk about, oh, redistricting. Oh, off your elections with the president. If the president's a Democrat, we're doomed. <clears throat> Bullshit. The Republican Party is in a death spiral right now. We're all watching it happen. And the Democratic Party should be ashamed like, to gain anything less than 30 House seats and absolute control yeah. of the Senate. If you can't beat this party, then you don't deserve to lead. And that's the challenge. Is there any polling on QAnon? There is some. Um, you got me wondering, like, right do now. people even know about it? I mean, I, I've, I, I, I will come back to you in about yeah. a week because I, I've actually commissioned polling on this okay. very thing to find out what is the level of penetration um, yeah. of QAnon and, and how aware are people of it and how threatened are they yeah. by it. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that yeah. it, is, it is the issue right yeah. now. In, in the 22 election cycle. See, because I'd be very curious on where religious people would be on cult membership as well. I got to tell you, like, it, granted, I think you're, you, run, you may run into trouble. I don't know, though. I mean, evangelicals tend to be, they just don't care, it seems, about any of the issues they claim to care about other than abortion, whatever. But it still makes me wonder, though, it doesn't just have to be evangelicals, right? It could just be Catholics, whatever. I just, I just think that cults, I think of my own upbringing, I'm Greek Orthodox, but my own upbringing, cults, cults not only are sort of anathema to Christianity, but there's, at least my upbringing, there was always this implication that the cult had a little bit of a demonic influence to it as well. There was just this, it, it went kind of hand in hand, yeah. you know? And because think about it, like, again, I got tarot cards, the Ouija board, all of that stuff was, even meditation back in the day was, I mean, this sounds crazy, but it's what we were brought up with, meditation, right? You know, you're letting your mind go, you're not in control and things can come in. I mean, this, there's a lot of that kind of stuff that I think very sane people do kind of worry about. Anyway, it just got me wondering um, on the public at large, but also religiously, whether there's a, 
a, a class there is. There. And, okay, so let's look at, at the Venn diagram of it, right? Yeah. Okay, you've got uh, evangelical faith-based voters, uh, which is a large group of people. Yep. Okay. There is nothing in QAnon that is antithetical to that belief system. Okay. In other words, where QAnon started was in Pizzagate, right? The insane right, yeah. idea that Hillary was in the basement of uh, uh, Comet Pizza yeah. um, and that uh, uh, CP, uh, cheese pizza, uh, was the same thing as uh, child pornography. Um, right. That, that was because, of course, I mean, right. yeah, who right. wouldn't come to that um, conclusion? Right, right exactly. Um, okay, so we obviously that's not true, but the point is that it started with this idea of save the children. That was right. the first hashtag. Well, who's against saving the children, right? And that is a tenet in, in evangelical belief, right? That, okay. that you have to save the children. So you could, in that moment, be an evangelical voter and start to believe in QAnon. And then what got pushed on top of it was this idea that um, that all Democrats are demonic pedophiles, right? Satan worshiping pedophiles. And that Donald Trump had actually been installed into power by the American military and intelligence community to rid the government right. of the Satan worshiping pedophiles. Okay, nothing in there is antithetical to evangelical belief. It's delusional and insane, but it's right. not antithetical to evangelical belief. Right. So it's very possible to be an evangelical and a QAnon supporter. Right. Um, what th The bigger question is, in the 80s, how did religious belief become so affiliated with political belief? Right. How, did, how did all of a sudden religious belief become at one with, you know, uh, Second Amendment belief, yeah, uh, yeah. beliefs about immigration, etc. I, I understand the close tie to abortion, right, and, right. and abortion is one of those issues where I completely respect the sincerity of people who disagree with me. But guns you, and immigration, if, like you said, right, what does if that you do believe with Jesus? that right. if you believe yeah. life begins at the yeah. moment of conception, of course you're against abortion. How dare you not be against right. abortion? Right. And that's an argument we can have. Right. Why gun rights? Yeah. are part of uh, evangelical belief. That's a whole other issue. Anyway, my point is, yeah. in 2016, in the state of Michigan, Donald Trump carried 81% of the evangelical voters. Right. Okay. That's Through insane. the work of a lot of people in 2020, that number dropped to 70% in hmm. Michigan. He carried That's a 70, big drop, actually. Big drop. He carried 70% of the evangelical voters in Michigan. And I think right. that's why he lost Michigan by 120,000 votes. Okay, that work is going to continue. Those numbers are going to continue to drop right. for the Republican <clears throat> Party because people in uh, in the faith based community now know they have an off ramp. They there there is a way to be true to their faith and not vote for a, a Republican insane candidate. Right. Um, and I think that will continue to to happen. Um, I I don't think the number will ever sink, you know, precipitously. But as right. long as it keeps dropping, Republicans. Right. We don't need to win a majority. We don't need to, you know, it's we like those not. rural counties. We we don't need to even come close to winning them. We just nope. can't lose them ninety to ten. Right. Um, right. You go talk to Michael Bennett, who's the senator, a great senator from Colorado. Yep. And he will look at a map of Colorado and he'll say, "Okay, so these are the parts of the state where if I get thirty-six percent, I win, and if I get thirty-two percent, I lose." 
Yep. And so he'll go to those parts of the state and he'll get 39%. He'll get 40%. Right. And he'll crush everywhere else. And he wins comfortably. Um, those are always the, the calibrations that Democrats are going to have to make in, in sure. America. Right. It's now got this whole other layer to it. How many QAnon people are out there? We got to find that out. Well, and and I think this is about creating a schism among Republicans themselves. It's it's obviously, I mean, you know this, but it's not just about convincing voters that these guys are part of a cult. They're crazy. The party's going off the deep end. It's also people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Who's affiliated in some way with QAnon, whether she's been a in supporter. every way. Yeah, she's okay. in yeah. She says she, I mean, right? she'll, she at least used to say out loud, I believe in it. So, I mean, but, she but did. you've got, but no, fair enough. But you've got her tied with Matt Gates, hand in hand, arm in arm. They're doing all their events together. Who is Matt Gates? Matt Gates is Donald Trump's number one defender in, in Congress. So you've right. got, and Trump himself was asked about QAnon during an interview. If you remember and he said well all i know is they support a lot of the things i do they like me a lot they, they you know like if you like them a lot you're good people so by by forcing republicans to actually turn on QAnon and turn on their QAnon members you're actually forcing republicans to take on donald trump and maybe they don't want to but that schism will cause problems in their own unity I which agree. is great i and that, that's a whole other bad now we're yeah. back to captain america and and huh. the bad guy who turns uh, a civilization against itself so that it, it implodes from within right. and then is conquered from without, right. which is yep. what happened to Rome. Um, yes. yes, of course. The, here's the checkmate to me. Hmm. If I am running uh, a race against Marjorie Taylor Greene, and there's a great candidate out there named Marcus Flowers, uh -huh. uh, who's doing that exact thing in a really tough district, right? Remember, hmm. yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think won 80 or 85% hmm. um, of the votes in her district because she had no Democrat running against her because the right. Democrat who was running against her got death threats and pulled yeah. out, right? So not uh, uh, an uncourageous thing that Marcus Flowers is doing. Right. But anyway, the right. point is, if you're running against Marjorie Taylor Greene and you say, will you disavow QAnon? Right. She can't. Right. There's no way. She cannot alienate her base. Right. Lauren Boebert cannot right. disavow QAnon, but neither can Kevin McCarthy. Right? right. That's my point, is that the fringe is the mainstream of the Republican right. Party right now. They are all stuck with this thing around their necks. Yep. If you run against Kevin McCarthy and you say, will you disavow QAnon? He'll he'll come up with some incredible word salad that'll dance Change around. the subject. Right, so yeah, he'll right. say, OK, so do you believe that all Democrats are Satan worshiping pedophiles? It's a yes or no question. Right. He'll dance again. Do you believe that the election was stolen? Do you believe that there are children in tunnels underneath DC who are having adrenochrome extracted from their pituitary gland? Which by the way, is the fucking plot line of Monsters Inc. Right, literally, the screams of children, <laughs> the screams of children fueled the city. That's now Republican dogma. There was also um, weird X-Files about this too, oh I believe, God. but yeah. Of course. So anyways, Billy Crystal didn't know what he was yeah. doing. That's okay. right. So my point is, the huh. checkmate is they can't disavow it right? and they can't run on it. right? And if you do that, then you're running against someone who's got 30% of the country in right. their pocket, but the other 70% thinks they're insane. Right. Yep. So I don't see any reason why this shouldn't be a blowout. And in uh, some of those swing districts too, like in some of the swing districts and suburbs, whatever, John, you were, you were asking about the religious aspect of it before. Right. <clears throat> I mean, literally 
a lot of it is borrowed directly from anti-Semitic conspiracy theories from the Middle sure. Ages. Right. Jewish people drinking the blood of Christian children was the big one, right? right. I mean, it, it always involved, you know, children. It always, I mean, that always. was always the key part of it. You you make that clear in certain districts, a lot of these, you know, urban, suburban swing districts where there's a healthy Jewish population, people that know Jews and are friends with them or whatever, and you go after this and, and you make it, you make it, you make QAnon besides everything else it is, anti-Semitic. Right. There's places right. and, to go and that, that too. Again, it goes back to the blood libel. But um, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, when there were all those fires in California, <laughs> said she thought they were started by Jewish space lasers. That's right. Yeah. Right. I have and, the coordinates right. in my house, and so I can I can. Uh, and, and and the whole idea that um, asking people to wear masks is like asking the Jewish people in yeah. Germany to wear yeah. stars. Yeah. Um, if you get specific about it. If you if you if you get a Republican in a on a debate stage and say is this something you believe, right. okay, well then will you disavow it? Yeah, right. Then you're fighting on their side of the field. That's where you want to be. Right. You can't lose, and that's what's important for Democrats to understand. They right. but they have to define that race now. Yep. This is not something you start talking about in October of an election year. Right. This is something you start talking about now, June of twenty one. You start to define the race. Um, remember, Donald Trump defined the 2016 race as being about crooked Hillary. That's what the fight was about. Early right? on, and he kept repeating it. It's like, you know, anybody who understands a branding campaign, you don't start three months before. You want to buy Burger King, you know, Whoppers. Yeah. They don't start three months before they want to hit their sales goals. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, 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 you know, you're exactly right. Like, you're Democrats, a year and a half out. Democratic and right this now. Is, yep. this, is, this is something Cliff and I are always talking about because – I mean, we've both done a lot of uh, political consulting over the years. And I remember a client I had years ago. Actually, I'll say now it was Planned Parenthood because it was 20 years ago. No one's going to mind. But there was some issue with Limbaugh. I don't know what it was. And I was like, oh, my God, this is great. This is going to blow up the grassroots. It's going to make the Republicans cringe. Blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, we already did a press release on that. <laughs> okay, but could we do a website? Okay, it's, been, we it's a- been handled. Let's just move on. Now. Well, but I mean- that was the that was the the one press person I was dealing with. That was her sort of take on it. And I find what Democrats don't get is, and Republicans do, and it's funny that they almost don't even get it intrinsically just by watching Republicans. They take an issue and they beat it to death and they talk about it again and again and again and again and again until it drives you crazy. And they could do it for years. Yep. And it's gonna be the stu- and it could be a completely no, made up issue. It could be Dr. Seuss, or it could be Benghazi, or whatever. it could be which. By the way, Benghazi wasn't yeah. a made up issue. Just what they said about. Look at it look at the up. word woke, Cliff. Look at the word woke, you guys. Yep, right? They've turned right. that into something now too. Right, so because they, yeah. So what it is is, Democrats um, have to start fighting like Republicans. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we do, but yep. we take pride in not fighting in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there's a, a there's a weird kind of superiority in it. No, I'm not going to do that. I will right. not get in the mud. Like, yeah. yeah, you fucking will. Yeah, and you have to because you uh, there's a moral imperative now to win. Yep. You don't have the ethical option of losing gracefully. Right. You have to get in the mud and you have to sling it like they do. I mean, think about just the two words fake news. Right. Think about how often that phrase was used and think about the damage that. Grace has done. It's incredible yeah. what the repetition yeah. um, has done. You're impeaching the witness, so to speak, to go back to exactly. what I said before. You're, but, because if he mm-hmm. say that about CNN and then nobody believes CNN anymore, then, then you don't have to worry about them being critical of you. Correct. So what is the Republican Party? It is the party of corruption. It is the party of cowardice. And it's the party of Q. 
That's it. But, that's what. So you've got the three too, like I did before: the corruption, that, cowardice, and Q. I like that's it. the and and, and their fatal loyalty to Donald Trump, which means they are fatally loyal to a lie. Um, that's going to implode. It's going to collapse. There's no way that it doesn't, whether he winds up in jail or not. Because uh, the, the fact is, he could literally wind up indicted and convicted and still be his party's nominee. Yep. yep that yep. party is at a place where that guy from prison, if he were running for president, could still be their nominee, which tells you all you need to know. Yep. About the Republican And apparently party. it's legal. I saw an article about that it very is. question that he can run from prison. He could be elected from prison. And then he's right. another thing a lot of people don't know too, which everybody here probably knows because we know these things, but you don't have to be in the House to be the Speaker of the House. Right. So if they take over the House and, and Kevin McCarthy thinks it's going to him, Donald Trump could demand that he be voted the Speaker of the House and he could be the Speaker of the House. Bannon's, Bannon, serving. did you know this? Bannon has been pushing that. Steve Bannon wants Trump. Oliver, and you know Oliver's they'll do it. Running. They're cowards. Now we should right. be running the house. Right. Some of the house races mentioning that to people. Yeah, I mean the, the fact that they're doing yeah. this shit. They've been so Steve Bannon has been pushing for Trump to run in 2022 for the house to win a house seat. Now this shows Bannon doesn't understand how the house works. So right. that so that when he wins a house seat, he can then become speaker of the house. Well, as Cliff said, you could just pick anybody a speaker you want anyway. But it's uh, Roger Stone has been pissed off. And he's now attacking Bannon for it. But nonetheless, that's actually one of the crazy things that they're already promoting, Cliff. I think it's, the, it's the least yeah. crazy thing that they're promoting. Yeah, right. and when they, when they read about it, they that. realize, yeah. holy shit, we don't even have to have him run and get up off his couch, you know, stop eating the KFC greasy thighs while watching the Fox and Friends or whatever. Yeah. He'll, he'll, sit, he'll lie there and just be like, you're all, if you get the majority, you're all voting for me for speaker. You know, God. I mean, this is real. People should be talking about it because it's, it's very doable yeah. for him. Yep. Yeah. Um, yes. So is. Do, do, is there any, I mean, I know uh, a couple of little things before we close, because we're getting to about the hour mark. We, we appreciate you giving us the time. Uh, anything else you wanted to say about the January 6th? Uh, now, what are you calling it? Miniseries, I guess you're calling it. It's a miniseries. Okay. And, it doesn't, and, have, and a doesn't name. have a title yet. No, when does yet. it get a title? When does that happen normally? Uh, any At any point in the process, sometimes you okay, have one okay. when you start. Um, you know, I've pitched a bunch of titles to my producers. Right. They hate all of them. Um, so uh, either right. I will come up with something better or someone around me will come up with something that I love. Right. And it might just wind up being called January 6th. I don't know. Right. Um, in we'll some see. ways, I could see that being very powerful just in and of itself, yeah. being called January I, I, 6th. But. I could make that argument, too. I mean, look, six. Um, yeah. You know, we when, when I made uh, the Comey rule, um, you know, we were making something about a guy that half of America hated. And yet, when that debuted on Showtime, um, we had the highest uh, debut of any mm -hmm. limited series in Showtime history by a factor nice. of four, okay? People want to know what is actually happening if it's gonna be a story well told. But I don't think there's anybody who won't watch this thing. I mean, no. everybody yeah. on both sides yep. uh, is going to tune in to see if they recognize some truthfulness yep. in the storytelling. Sure. No, and is that's the, gonna be our job. Is there any way for people, I mean, how does this, I think I even get Showtime. I do have Showtime. I've got HBO and Showtime. I always forget which ones I've got because it always changes. <laughs> Are there ways of people who don't have Showtime to actually pay to watch the one show or anything? I mean, does that um, work? Or I don't. I don't no. think so. I just wasn't sure if you I knew. Don't like think so, like with Kobe, I mean, I, whether... but I believe Showtime is one of those companies that has like thirty-day free trials. Oh, okay. So, so people you can, can, you can Okay. Yeah, you can sign up for Showtime okay. in time to get this. But we'll have plenty of time to discuss that. And, yeah, yeah, because I want to make sure I'll, you get it. <laughs> and I'm hoping yeah. I'll be back on yeah. the show um, after I've made it and you guys yeah. have seen it. And then we yeah. can talk about it in a yeah. 
very okay. fulsome. Let me let me ask. When's the expectation? Go right in. I got two more things. Come out. Yeah. Uh, late September, early October of twenty-two. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Two more things. Two more yeah. things. The one is, and I've got to ask you, Hunger Games. So, what did you do on the <laughs> Hunger Games? We've got to spend at least two or three minutes. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's too so, big a deal to me, at least. No, no. <laughs> it, it, thank you. And it's always lovely to have your name on it. Um, <laughs> I was sitting in my office one day and, and my agent called and said, do you want to adapt the Hunger Games? And I, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. So I didn't um, either. Yeah. So I walked into my house and I, I think my kids were 14 and nine at the time. And I said, <laughs> what's the Hunger Games? And they both looked at me like, you know, oh my God, <laughs> you're such an idiot. Yeah. Um, so I read the book overnight. I said, okay, this is the best idea for a movie I've ever heard. Like yeah. this is the darkest idea I've ever heard. And I thought, um, at that point, I was pretty well known for writing true stories. And for some reason in my head, that just became a true story too. Hmm. I just decided this had really happened. And right. I wrote from a place of total outrage that a government would do that to hmm. children. Hmm. And I wrote it like a true story. And, and right. my job at that point was to write a draft that would get them a director. And wow. the draft I wrote got them Gary Ross. Right. He then sort of made it his movie. And it's very much his movie. It's really not mine. It's his okay. Um, and did a great job. And as I said, I'm thrilled to have my name on a hit. Wow. That's, yeah, no, in any case, I mean, that's just- Well, it may still be yeah. a reality if we keep going yeah. down the path yeah. we're going down. So you may yes. have been right to look at it that way. Yes, and, I agree. Okay, and my last question, Cliff may have a last two. Um, we just had Memorial Day, and it's funny, I meant to ask you when we were having our chat the other day, but since we're on, we can ask you anyway. Who's the flag behind you? Oh, <laughs> this right here? Yeah. That was sent to me by uh, Congressman Ted Lieu. Oh, I thought and maybe it was a family member or something, like a, a grandfather no, or some kind of. Oh, okay. No, it was it was a um, it was a thank you for the work that I do. Ah, okay. uh, it flew over the Capitol. I'm assuming one of those or. Yeah. Ah, okay. He's okay. he's actually been on a, on the podcast before. We're big fans. He's, yeah, Ted Lieu. Talk about and a, a master at messaging and yeah. continually oh. pushing that message. He's one of the best on Twitter. Yes, he's he's viciously he's relentless. Yeah. Yes. yes. I, I can't take credit for ninety percent of what Ted Lou puts out on Twitter, <laughs> but I can take credit for the other ten. No, well, he'd be great. Yep. Keep it Cliff, going, please. Anything else, Cliff or and Billy? Anything no, else I, to close I, with? Billy's been great. I think I, I, we've answered everything. Okay, so, um, Billy, are you? Yeah, go on. I, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, there's always a goal when you sit down for one of these. Um, but my goal changed about a minute into the podcast, and I mm -hmm. realized I just want them to think I'm as smart as Rosie O'Donnell. So hey. Did I get there? You could do worse. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Can, no, I'm yeah. telling you, she is. I think you maybe reached James Carville level, and he was on like two weeks ago. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Well, hey, I don't know any of us reached Carville. I'll be honest about that. But uh, <laughs> no, but Rosie, scary. God, she was scary good. I mean, it kind of blew my. We wanted her on because she's very outspoken and everything else. But my God, that woman's knowledge of politics blew me away. If you want to be effective, you got to learn your stuff. It's yeah. that simple. Yep. No, very much so. Uh, last thing is, are you uh, are you on social media or anything that people can follow you or not? That I much? am. Uh, uh, I'm on Twitter, which I used to make fun of, and now I'm addicted to. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, join I'm, the club. Uh, I literally thought, oh, my God, I'm better than that. I would never do social media. Those people are fucking idiots. And now I'm like, how yep. many likes did I get? Um, yeah, we've yes, all been through that. It's uh, at BillyRay5229. At Billy right. Ray, at Billy Ray five two two nine. We'll find you yes. today, John and I. Okay, okay. Billy, thanks for joining Everyone us. Um, and then, yeah, folks can uh, check you out online. And then, obviously, we'll we are going to be talking on the show as we get closer to the uh, to the January sixth miniseries when that comes up. Yes, and I'll check in with you from wherever I'm shooting. Goodbye. 
Oh god, yes. That would be absolutely. great. Maybe we can come visit. Maybe we'll see. Come, yeah. visit. Maybe we'll go. <laughs> come visit the set. My goal is to be uh, standing on the ellipse yep. next January 6th, shooting. Oh, January absolutely. 6th. Oh, God. Yeah, well, I'm in DC and Cliff, Cliff used to live here, so he's going to be visiting. At the very least, we'll definitely do that. Are you kidding All me? All right, well, come on down and you can do a live yeah. podcast from our set. Oh, perfect. We're in. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, seriously, thanks, thanks so everybody. much, Billy. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Bye bye.